What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robert William Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III, with our guest today, Dan Jutan. What's going on, Dan? Hey, is that how you became podcast host? You realized you have the same middle name? No, <laughs> it's just a, uh, <laughs> a popular middle name, I think. <laughs> yeah, and we have generational divides, too, so there's not even that excuse. Yeah. Whoever came later copied you. <laughs> well, then there you go. I love that you can't tell. I appreciate that. Thank you for the... It could be blurry video. I'm not sure. But uh, I think when Robbie was born, I had just started high school. I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, anyway. Before we get into the whiskey here, let's uh, give Dan a chance to... Uh, do you want to tell everyone a little bit, like a couple sentences about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Hi, I'm Dan. I do... A bunch of stuff in open source. I work at the Astro Technology Company, which is the company behind the Astro Project. I'm also a solid core team member where I think a lot about docs and content and DevRel and stuff. Yeah, that's the short intro. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there you go. DevRel being de- developer relations for those not familiar with the the title or nomenclature. It's not even really a title for me. It's just like, oh, I... Someone should think about this for solid. So I sort of started to to think about it. Nice. Awesome. And do you just collect uh, buzzy frameworks, I guess, as the things you work on since you're at solid? <laughs> yeah, it's just all buzzwords for me. You know, my only motivation <laughs> is to like get involved in whatever the hottest thing is at the moment. <laughs> I discovered solid at the 1.0. It was not a, a buzzword yet. The Fireship video wasn't the only thing that, that kicked it off this year, but around May this year, things really started picking up. I mean, it was like, okay, solid is a thing now. People know what this is. Astro, I mean, is super buzzwordy right now, I guess, because the <laughs> 1.0 release, it, it, the Twitterverse has been has been loving it. But I discovered Astro because back towards the end of last year, Astro was making its first waves. And we realized that if people wanted to use Solid on the server, like they wanted some sort of Next.js, some sort of SSR solution for Solid, we could just recommend Astro because they decided to build in Solid support. So that's how I first heard of Astro. So I don't know. I did get on the hype train, though. (laughs) You just were trying to collect cool T-shirts. I get it. (laughs) We'll put a pin in that for now and we will circle back there because I've got more questions in this realm and uh, we could talk about our origin story of us three connecting. But uh, first, let's talk about the phrase. Oh, my God. I was telling Robbie they didn't do so well in Game of of Thrones. Yeah. But uh, so here we have. Game of Thrones or Gramophones. Gramophones. What? (laughs) I don't know. Gramophones. I haven't even been drinking yet, but you know. As you can see here, full bottle, everyone. Wow, that's the first. I know. Frey Ranch bourbon. It is 66% corn, 10 or 11.4% winter rye, and 10% winter wheat. So lightly weeded. That sounds good. They harvest their own grains. Also cool. Um, 90 proof. Do we have any age statement here? I think it just said like four years as required by law or something like that. Oh. So not that old, but, Let's see. you know, old enough. Yeah. We'll see. It says matured and bottled. I'm so glad we're all drinking it. I was 
you know, imagining it was just going to be me. And the idea was like to get me to drink as the interview guest. <laughs> like drunk history. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, or we're doing kind of like a hot ones thing, except for like it's yeah. Drunk history could be another thing. Hot ones is like the interview with the wings. No, no. We join you in that so that we can also mesh our words up. And also, like, it sounds like you've just admitted to never having listened to this show before. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. Yeah, no worries. It's not a requirement. This is how you gain a regular listener. You send them whiskey and have them on the show. <laughs> right, right. No, we guilt you into it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I am surprised when people haven't listened just from the pure fact of like, you know, we could be total assholes who like suck at podcasting and like, I don't know. Like, I would want to listen a little first, but, you know, no shame that you haven't. <laughs> so it was, I went through and scrolled the episodes. I started listening to one on a walk and I can't remember. Oh, you know what it was? It was a solo one. You've done episodes without a guest. Right. Yes. Correct. Yeah, that's true. So I, I was listening to that one. I was like, these guys are boring. And I just found a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Zing. That's, that's deserved. Yeah. All right. We're going to taste this whiskey here. First, I'm giving it a little smell. Yeah, let's do it. Smelling the corn there for sure. Corny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe a little lemongrass kind of. I don't know. Hmm. I'm like so not well versed in alcohol. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, um, we just pretend to be. It's okay. Yeah, everybody makes it up. We make it all up. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go back to the whole like slight lemongrass flavor mm. initially. It's a uh, not much on the finish. I think that's the young age coming. I'm not getting much on the finish. It reminds me of barbecue sauce <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> the branding looks like barbecue sauce. <laughs> kind of, yeah. On the bottle. Yeah. I might refill this bottle with barbecue sauce <laughs> in the future. It seems like a good idea. I was going to say this must have been expensive with all the gas prices going up. I don't get it. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> it tastes like gasoline. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> to an uninformed, mm. not well cultured person like myself. <laughs> Do you, so, okay. Not had a lot of whiskeys, maybe not a big drinker or whatever else, but ha you have had whiskey in the past before? I've had whiskey in the past. My dad's a big whiskey drinker. I'm mm. 23, so I haven't had a lot of time, I guess, to go out and have whiskey. But if you observe the law, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On this podcast, <laughs> we observe the law. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so and that's fine. The context is everything. Right. So it kind of doesn't matter what my rating is, what my experience is like for you. You would just say out of whiskeys that you had. It's a tentacle scale. So huh, we're so clever. One to eight. One is like, this is terrible. Never have it again. Eight. It's amazing. I want it all the time. And then anything in between. And you just compare it to what you have had. If you enjoy the flavor or not. And kind of to what degree. Yeah, I was joking. I actually really enjoy this. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make it like That's a funny, like a gasoline joke. But mm. some whiskeys I've had are like super smoky or like. This one is on that side, but not like all the way. Like it's not overwhelming me when I smell it. It's also like much more of a high end whiskey than the, than the kind that people, I guess, with my age might might normally be um, <laughs> accustomed to. And so I can appreciate how easy it like goes down. And yeah, out of an eight tentacles, I've got to give it maybe a six. 
Solid. Yeah. Yes. So you would have it again. You'd come back. It's not bad. Solid jazz. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. You like that tie-in? Uh, uh, it does have some sweetness to it. It just does taste a little young to me. I'm actually going... Oh, no. I'm probably giving it a four. So I don't think it's, like, bad, necessarily. But I also just think it needs probably a little more time in the barrel to age out a little and get some more diversity in the flavors. But it, it has a little sweet. I'm still feeling like this, like lemongrass kind of thing and then for whatever reason maybe i like pain but i like a little burn as it goes down and I'm not really feeling that so yeah it's a four i think i'm gonna split the difference and say five i think it's pretty good it's interesting i would like to see more from this distiller i think they have a lot of cool stuff like i don't even know what they said it was like what is these the uh two row barley and like winter rye and like specific grains. Like I think they could do some cool stuff, but they need some more diversity in terms of how long they age it and different things. And voila, everybody wins a prize. <laughs> it's in your cup. All right. So let's circle back a little bit to this whole solid thing. Yeah. I know it's definitely not new. It's just more, I think new in common vernacular and circles and people talking about frameworks coming up when it actually came to light for me i believe like the solid creator and then like the view creator something had some like twitter war mm-hmm. i believe it was that like some discussion about view three and blah 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 and like this other yeah. thing sucks or something like that or the inverse and i remember that oh i discovered it from that and then yeah it's just been kind of top of mind and topical in general over this last year. So tell us what is solid. Let's say that. Okay. Yeah, let's start with what does it do? I was going to go right <laughs> in on, on the Twitter war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we can circle back to that. Yeah, yeah. Solid is a UI framework. So, you know, you mentioned Vue, React, Svelte. These are all front-end UI frameworks for the web. And solid is one of them. But the special thing about solid is that it combines something you might be used to from React, which is these functional JSX components with something you might be used to in Vue 3 or even older frameworks like Knockout.js, which is this idea of reactive primitives. And that's kind of like a weird term. So I can go into what those are. But the idea is it's taking a lot of the old and bringing a new shell around it and giving you like a really nice DX. But the the DX choices also come with like insane performance and speed. So solid first gained traction by being like the fastest like ryan the creator of solid would do these benchmarks to prove how solid is much faster at rendering than the other frameworks you looked like you wanted to say something chuck (laughs) well i was just going to tee you up on in terms of reactivity obviously that's something that uh you're like very into being the ember guy here and the ideology around that kind of reactivity can, like doing updates across the entire application, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So I'm wondering like how it compares or like more things about that, I guess. I don't have a specific question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reactivity is top of mind for us. And that's a thing coming out of like solid. And uh, like you said, in view, Ember has that. Yeah. RxJS, I guess. I don't know anything about that, but mm. I think it's about reactivity. I was going to say, if you're going to ask me to compare with Ember, like, unfortunately, I haven't used Ember, but yeah, who has? I was a big, <laughs> a big view guy. It's dead. And yeah, solid in view. And so that was like your stepping stone over into solid. Yeah, I used view for from the beginning of my web development journey, basically. And 
when Vue 3 came out, I started thinking a little bit harder about, you know, my framework choices and what the other options were. I was using Vue for contracting, but also for digital humanities projects. So that's like working with academics and undergrads, people who might not normally have a lot of programming background. And Vue had a lot of really nice, simple things about the API. And when Vue 3 came out, I sort of felt overwhelmed with the API surface. It suddenly got a lot more bloated. There was a lot more choices. It wasn't out with the old, in with the new. It was like in with everything. Now it's a little bit more solidified, but for a while it was like, you can use script setup. You, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to like get into the terms because not everyone has used Vue, but the idea is there were a lot of ways to do the same thing. And because of that, I was like, maybe the direction of the framework doesn't align with what I'm personally looking for. So I started shopping around. I tried React. I tried Preact. That was actually a big thing for me. When I moved from React to Preact, I really started thinking about why there were two frameworks with identical API surfaces. And that started my journey a little bit deeper. You know, I'm not some sort of like internals, you know, senior level engineer or whatever, like I am someone who wanted to deliver apps for clients and also build my own projects and stuff like that. And so getting into solid was less of a, oh, I want to find the fastest thing out there, but more I want to really, now that I know that there's this world of like framework engineering, I want to see what framework aligns most with like what I'm looking for, especially in terms of DX. And when I got to solid, I I was like, oh, I get it. I got it mainly because the reactivity was so much like Vue. But I also got it because on my journey through React and Preact, I started to enjoy the idea of components just being functions. And with Solid, I was like, oh, the simple thing from React without the annoying part of React and with the simple thing from Vue without the <laughs> baggage of Vue. And it was just like all the simple things for me. Hmm. That's a good way to put it. I haven't used it a ton, so I, I don't know a lot about it. I've written one solid component, basically just copying the uh, like form validation example from the website. So that's the extent of my knowledge. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that it has the nice things without the baggage. Like what is, what are some of those nice things? And, you know, why would someone want to use it over like Vue or React or, or something like that? Yeah, so... Some of the nice things is you can call it like standalone state. In other words, when you're using React and Svelte, your state is a product of the component. So the idea when you're working with React or Svelte is when state changes, re-render the component and check stuff. So in React, you'll declare a function, you'll declare a piece of state using something like use state. And what that means is the React system will rerun that entire function when state changes. So you get this nice composability of components that are functions. In other words, like you can declare, you can declare a bunch of functions in the same file, for example. You can have components that like sort of like create components using fancy patterns, but there's a lot of baggage along with it. You can't really use these functions like normal functions. For example, if you like put one component function inside another in React, 
it will like recreate that function every single time any state changes all sorts of weird stuff. You can't put a use state inside an if statement or a loop because these use state things are not standalone pieces of state. They're hooks into React's components. They tell React something about the component. Hey, re-render this when this changes. So you can't even take a use state and pull it out of a component. If you brought up that idea to a React developer, they would be like, why would I want to do that? That doesn't make any sense. The whole point of state is to tell a component to re-render. But in view three and in solid, that's not the case. Instead of use state, you'll use something like create signal. And the idea of a signal is not rerun a specific component. It's rerun any bit of code that uses this. So, you know, you have to designate that, that code by using something like an effect. But because of JSX and how JSX works in solid, if you declare a piece of state and then use it in anywhere inside your component template, Solid knows to just rerun that little piece of your view that used the signal whenever the signal updates. So hopefully that wasn't too long-winded. And it's really hard to show this without examples. It's like all verbal. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, actually, I think you put it in a way that I can picture that. I know the pains of like problems with re-render and performance and things like that, where it's like an all or nothing kind of situation and you're overusing use state and it's very localized, but it's also like very specific to the whole thing where you where you drop that in. So I can see what you're saying is that you can have a granular piece, like just say a counter. And if you add like use state on a component that had a counter, every time you change that count, right, it re-renders the entire component versus re-rendering just the part that uses the counter would be the difference there, right? And obviously there's probably some performance implications over a large app that could have this all over the place. Yeah, you know, React wants to be performant with its DOM updates. So what it does is it creates a virtual DOM behind the scenes. And so that way it can rerun the component as much times, uh, the function component as many times as it needs to without actually tapping into this expensive DOM operation every time. But it turns out that if you decide to be as granular as possible, right, only rerun the code that uses a specific piece of state, you don't really need a virtual DOM. You can just go into the DOM and update that one thing because it's not so expensive anymore. You're not updating the entire component template. You're just updating that one thing. And so that's sort of the big performance boost of Solid is that because you don't have a virtual DOM, Solid is a much smaller library. It's like seven kilobytes zipped or something, whereas React is like, I don't know, 20-something, right? The code required to create a virtual DOM is costly from a shipping JavaScript and from a memory perspective. And so Solid ends up being this sort of like leaner, leaner thing. But it's also, in my opinion, and this is what attracted me to it, it's conceptually simpler. I still don't know how a virtual DOM actually works. And I learned this when I switched from React to Preact. React and Preact, to my eyes, did the same thing. But React was shipping with a massive virtual DOM implementation. And Preact was shipping with a tiny one. And if you ask actually a lot of even senior level React engineers, they can't really tell you why React's virtual DOM is so much better than Preact. And that's because this is, there's like, it's a really hard thing to conceptually understand. But it's much easier to wrap your, your head around, oh, when a thing updates, update its dependencies. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how Ember does it these days. Just to tie that back in for the people that have used Ember, it has like auto tracking now. So you you flag your thing that's going to change as tracked, like your count. And then whenever you update the count, like your template, the count would update. So it's similar ideology. So I like that. I definitely like when things have that ability of like basically track this thing and then whenever it changes, change these other things for me. I think that takes a couple of steps away from what you would have to do in other frameworks and just makes it simpler for your brain to figure out. Yeah, in in other frameworks like React, I refer to it as opt-out re-rendering, whereas Solid, I refer to it as opt-in re-rendering. So in React, it'll render everything by default, and you use things like memos and use callback to stop something from updating. Whereas in Solid, it'll render nothing again. You have to like opt-in by using a thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So... We were talking a little bit earlier about how Solid has had like an explosive amount of growth and really kind of come to the forefront in in discussion circles as like, okay, if we're considering frameworks for creating applications and sites and all of that kind of stuff, like, uh, is there any particular use case, first of all, I would say, that Solid is really well suited for and any that you think it might not be? And that might be nothing, but... yeah. Usually I wouldn't recommend solid for sort of like anytime you need a reliable ability to grab an existing thing off the shelf and plug it into your app, which happens a lot in in enterprise situations. Like you might be developing some sort of dashboard where you're not creating everything from scratch. You need to grab your different you know, table libraries and whatever off the shelf. The ecosystem is getting great for solid, but it's not at the point of React where it's like anything you could ever imagine someone built it in React. And so that's a, a use case where, where you might want not want to use it. Sorry, it's easy to do the not cases first. Sure. Yeah, you might not want to use it when you're looking for a templating, a special templating syntax. So if you've used Vue or Svelte, you've seen these like very original, what we call template DSLs, which is a stupid term. It stands for templating domain-specific language. It means that they invented a language for you to use when writing your apps. And a lot of people are looking for that. They don't really want to be stick, you know, doing JSX where it's like JavaScript, uh, HTML inside JavaScript. They want to separate things. They want to have a templating language and then they want to have a scripting language. So if you're looking for that, well, Solid is a JSX framework. So you wouldn't want to use something like Solid or React. You'd want to use something like Vue or Svelte. And then for other use cases, I would say almost every time you'd want to use React for a single page application, you can fit Solid in right there. Same with Svelte and Vue, as long as you don't need that special templating language. Solid is, is going to be faster. And in my opinion, especially if you're coming from React, it's going to be easier to scale. You're going to run into a little bit less hiccups. And it's especially good if you're trying to integrate with regular old JavaScript libraries. So for example, if you're trying to integrate with something like D3, which is a pure JavaScript, like a graphing charting library, or maybe something like Code Mirror, which is a pure JavaScript editing library, you'll have a much easier time with Solid because those libraries don't expect to be re-rendered. And Solid lets you interact with them as you know regular DOM elements. So when you're working in Solid, the JSX produces normal DOM elements 
And so that works really well with frame with libraries that expect normal DOM elements. So that's like a, a special use case where, where I'd really recommend it. And then one of my favorite use cases because I work on Astro is when you don't want like a ton of interactivity on your page, but you want like a little bit of it to be interactive, Solid is a great choice because you're just not shipping a lot of code. So Astro plus Solid is like an amazing pairing, which is one of the reasons why I was so happy to like join the project. You've had Nate on the show, so I don't even have to explain what Astro is, but it's like a server side tool similar to, you know, you can call it like PHP for JavaScript as a shorthand. Like it runs on the server and creates static HTML, but then you can choose parts of the page to be interactive. If you're looking for a framework to run that interactive part of the page, Solid's a great choice because it's super small and super fast. Yeah. Well, this is a good segue too into uh, the Astro part of the story. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um. <laughs> but it sound, looked like Robbie was about to have a, a question first before I transition. No, I mean, the the only thing I was going to kind of circle back to was you said it doesn't have a, I forget even the terminology, you said the, the templating DSL or whatever, but it does have some things that I think React doesn't have, but I, full disclosure, I don't use React, so I could be wrong, but it has like a a for component to like loop through stuff yeah. like for eaching in a template. Whereas in react, everything is like map everything all the time. Yeah. And I thought that was much nicer personally. Yeah. It's uh, one of those interesting opinion points where it's like, some people hate that they're like, give me my dot map. And other people are like, Oh my God, this is so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is more universal, but personally when I'm evaluating the difference, there's a, a specific one that really, really shines, which is we have like a switch and a match. So if you want, you know, an if else is like choose between two options, a switch is like choose between a bunch. Doing that in React, you can see like nested ternaries, you can see like helper functions everywhere. It's like it's like a little bit messy. So yeah, we have these helpers to use inside JSX. But an important thing about these helpers is they're not like a compile time thing like they are in Svelte and Vue. They're just components. So it's like they're built-in components to solid that do these conditional rendering or looping, all these control flow things. And so what that means is like, if you don't like them, you can build your own and you can build on top of them. So for example, like we have that four component. What if you wanted a paginated four component? So a four component like loops through the array and displays something. What if you want it to be like, ah, you know, loop through the, the first 10 elements of the array, display those things, but then display a button to get to the next page. You could build that on top of the four component and use it in exactly the same way, the exact same interface. And that's not really something you can do in Vue or Svelte where like they have their own built-in like V4 and you can't like make your own V4 easily. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I have mixed feelings about that. I, uh, I think it's interesting the thing in React where like everything is a component and sometimes that gets to be a little bit annoying, like the router is a component and like... I like how Next had solved that with the whole uh, using the file system as your router, kind of. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. But on the other hand, it is a lot more readable to have a four versus a map and say, like, mm -hmm. why is this returning, like, looping through and returning a component for each element? And it's just not, like, clear and readable. So the four seems like it's much more readable. Yeah. And that makes sense as a component versus, like, a router shouldn't be a component, <laughs> in my opinion. And everything's a component. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of the custom 
DSLs. Like, I actually specifically like the Svelte one. I think the View one got heavier with age, kind of, like, more got added to it. But the Svelte one with Svelte 3 was, like, designed from the ground up. And I love how simplistic that is. So there's definitely trade-offs. And I think there's room to, like, be a fan of both in different contexts. Yeah, I think so, too. There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, even though that's not politically correct. Shouldn't skin cats. I think I've said that before. (laughs) No cats were harmed. No, no cats were harmed in the uh, recording of this episode. So let me tell you a story about how one day Robert William Wagner got on Twitter (laughs) and he sent a message to the Astro Twitter account, hoping to, uh, you know, talk to someone there and see if they're interested in getting free whiskey, because that's really what it's all about. And then what happened? (laughs) Yeah, I had recently started contracting with Astro. At the time, the idea of the contract was, oh, like, have Dan do content strategy, which my previous job was at was as a product manager. So this was definitely a little bit, but like, I've done a lot of docs and a lot of writing, a lot of content. So it like sort of made sense. And we were, you know, trying to figure out what was it, what was a good fit. But uh, so I was on the, you know, Astro Twitter account doing things like creating little videos and stuff. And I got this message thinking I was on my personal account. And I was like, wow, someone realized I was contracting for Astro and wanted me to talk about Astro. Like, that's a little weird, but I'm like, so down. (laughs) And then I realized like, oh, shoot, like, I just responded to this on the Astro account. So I like freaked out. I like went to the team and I was like, hey, like, do any of you want to talk to this whiskey podcast about Astro? And then I messaged you. I was like, I'm going to connect you with someone from the actual Astro team. And I'm going to like DM you from my personal account in case you want to talk to me for some reason about, you know, about solid. (laughs) And actually you messaged me like what's solid. So back then Solid had not become a buzzword yet. Well, I had heard of it, but it was, uh, so we hadn't really used Astro a ton, but we've been working on converting our website to Astro, doing some different things with Astro. And as part of that, as I've found like a need for some JavaScript to be shipped, like I first tried the like super bare bones approach of let me put a script tag in and like manually do everything. Like I'm going to change the DOM on my own, like give me this node, change the inner text. And then I was like, okay, I'm tired of doing that. Let me try some of these other frameworks. And I was like, you know, I've heard that like solid is cool. And I looked, I was comparing it and lit. And to be honest, lit's website I thought was cooler. So I was like, ooh, maybe I should try lit. (laughs) But then I was like looking at the, what they did. And I was like, okay, solid. I like that. It's very close to React. So we have a lot of developers that like know that JSX syntax and would be familiar with some of these concepts. And like, I think that's probably going down that path and keeping that kind of expertise, but just tweaking it a bit would be more prudent than doing this whole thing that was like, lit's like totally different. It's like all like class-based. It's like ships, web components. It's, I don't know. It's just totally different. It's like solid seems lighter weight in terms of the mental shift here. So that's why I kind of started using it. Yeah, I am super happy like, I love talking and I love talking about solid. And so like, yeah, getting, <laughs> you know, I, I've been doing a lot of guest streams. Like, you know, I went on the super base channel to talk about solid. I've been doing all sorts of like my own streams with guests. There was like a really great, great stream with, 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 with Eddie who like has this great beginner focused open source community. And I really love like teaching solid for beginners. I think that's something that solid hasn't really gotten a lot of because it came out of the gates as this like performance focused, like bare metal, we're the fastest framework. Like that's not the kind of 
speak that attracts beginners. They want something easy to use. Mm-hmm. But I was attracted to Solid because it was easy to use, not because it was fast. So I love sort of like bringing that out of it. Mm. Yeah. It just happens to be a positive side effect is that it's also fast. That's interesting. Plus, I think Remix is stealing all the all the fast, all the fast hotness in the the thunder in the new framework community. Yeah, the thunder. There you go. The thunder on Twitter about Remix is so fast because Kent sends out 45 tweets a day. (laughs) Do you know about my conflict with Remix or just bringing that up as a happenstance? I told Chuck about it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't remember the whole docs thing. Yeah, mm. that's what you're talking about, right? It was kind of crazy. You want to talk about it with Ryan Florence and the docs? Yeah, yeah. It was nuts. I mean, Solid has this meta framework similar to Next.js called Solid Start, and I haven't been involved with Solid Start. It's still like really early on. Like the API keeps changing, and so I was like, okay, when the API is solidified, like you know, we'll then we'll write the docs. It doesn't really make sense to do it early, but it was all in one, like the the new solid docs and the solid start docs were all in one repo. And that was my mistake. <laughs> so basically yeah. mm. what happened was I was doing this PR that made infrastructure changes, like, you know, moving the navigation around on the new doc site. And because of that, like it ended up being a mega PR with like lots of things in it. And one of the things was someone had for uh, like solid start docs, some sort of like boilerplate or something, they like grabbed a bunch of the remix, like, I don't know, router docs and stuck it in there. And like, no one was supposed, this is like a new doc site. No one was really supposed to see any of this anyway, but I wasn't reviewing any of the solid start docs because I don't really know solid start yet. So I merged this PR and like, I don't know, a week later or something, like Brian Florence makes this crazy tweet, like, I've never been copied like this before. And he like uh, screenshots this like, oh. and the thing about this was this wasn't in the nav bar. Like the only way to get to this site was like through other channels. I think one of the mistakes we made was um, the solid start repo actually linked to this. So that might've been how we found it. So that was definitely a mistake. We made a ton of mistakes along the way. I'm not saying we're blameless for this. Like I never should have merged that. We never should have like, publicized in any way this like very very unfinished like docs site that's basically a placeholder but it also didn't make sense for them to turn it into like a big thing like they could have just dm'd any of us and we would have just removed it like we weren't gonna stand by those docs they're not finished docs they're not anything it was you know and and um (laughs) it just completely blew up and at first i I wasn't gonna say anything because like i'm officially like the docs lead of solid and i was just glad that they weren't targeting me specifically but then kent said at jutanium i am disappointed that you merged this and i was like oh (laughs) i guess like this is i have to say something now and it was like this whole thing but here it is yeah but what ended up happening was yeah Yeah. i got a bunch of twitter followers so (laughs) nice so in the end yeah people chose a team you gotta pick your favorite sports team yeah or your favorite framework team when kent c dodds that's you for any reason. It's helpful to your brand. <laughs> Seriously. I was really scared in the moment because it wasn't him saying like, you're great. It was saying you're terrible. And I was really afraid that mm-hmm. people were going to like mm. dogpile on me. But I mean, I immediately went and just deleted all the remix docs because these docs were placeholders. So I just like deleted all of them. And that really helped people understand that we weren't trying to like plagiarize And um, I think people sort of understood. It turns out that like when people attack a lot of people, it's like a boy, 
cry wolf situation. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I was just say I'm willing to put a, a you know a flag in the ground, stake in the ground on my opinion in this, and I think that as anyone who has been in the industry for some time and you're experienced, I think a public calling out is kind of poor form. Now, you know, I'm not saying that like he was trying to be vindictive or hurtful to you necessarily. And this is kind of his forum. He's very public and talks about things in very public ways. And so it was probably just more of like, this is how I do it. But I do think that like experienced people should show their colleagues out there working on open source things, right? Like this is open source is a lot of free work to a degree. And I know that you are contracted in and whatever else, but like to a point, like lots of people are part of that community. So to like kind of shame another community to like sort of take that outlet is in poor form in my, my view, like you're mature and experienced enough to be like, even if you're disappointed and bothered by this, you can address that. And then you could also with that person say, you can say, I feel like there needs to be some sort of public show here, but let's craft that message together responsibly and give you that opportunity. So that's just my feeling on it. I know that, you know, he's, he's very much in the public. And, and so it could just be a reaction in a way that he's used to speaking. I can't speak for him, obviously. Yeah. And also that element, of, like the, the open source element. So like Solid, for example, like I was never paid anything from Solid. Solid was just, hey, when I have time, like volunteer, you know, Astro, you know, I'm now a full time yeah. employee of the company behind Astro. Astro is different, but this was Solid. Like Solid is just this hobby thing I I, <laughs> I do on the side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. It felt like picking on the small guys. Yeah. But look, you know, like I... Hey, this is a podcast. Like, I think there's a future where, like, I'm friends with Kent one day. People used to, like, compare my ambitions with Kent. Like, I was like, hey, I'm really inter interested in education. And they're like, wow, like, you could do something like Kent and make a course, right? And so I w it went from, like, yeah. Kent being a role model in the industry to, like, Kent being someone who dislikes me or who's sort of out to get me. And that, that <laughs> that's a bit of a shift that I hope we can recover from. Right, right. Yeah. Kent's been on. He's a nice guy. I don't think he's going to hold any mm -hmm. grudge. I think it was just like Chuck said. He's just, like, everything he says is in a public tweet. So it's like, yeah, he's, that was just his way of being like, I'm going to respond. Like, I'm not going to bother to, like, figure out a private message. So, yeah, I don't think he holds any uh, ill will toward you. And I, I think uh, like Ryan Florence and and whoever else that tweeted, like took their tweets down and stuff. Right. Like everything's resolved. Everybody's happy at this point, I think. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone deleted their tweets. I recovered from my heart attack. Uh, <laughs> and like and, and I would advocate for you to to take uh, Ken's path of of learning because you've got obviously you're involved in a different community. You can have your own spin on these things. And, you know, why wouldn't you take a successful roadmap there and say, yeah, I can kind of do that to a degree myself as well. I wouldn't think there would be like, if anything, it should be flattering to say like, oh, wow, love what you're doing. Love what you're putting out there. I'm going to try to do that and help my people in the same way. Yeah, I think there's so many things Kent did did really well with with making React accessible. There is a, like a philosophy difference that I've noticed between me and some other like educators like that. Is for me like even though I'm part of Solid and Astro, it's not really about Solid and Astro. Like I'll teach anything. I have a lot of love for like Svelte and and Vue and Nuxt and even Remix. Like Remix as a tool is awesome. <laughs> like it's a great way to build React apps. 
But Remix as a marketing philosophy of like, everyone has to use this. It's like the best for everything does sort of conflict with me. And so I want to bring like that model of making things, mm. making things accessible. I want to, you know, bring that out there, but also bring in this mindset of there's a right tool for the right job and solid is not going to be the right tool for a lot of jobs. And Astro is also not going to be the right tool for a lot of jobs. And it's like, if I can work on those frameworks and make them better while also helping like anyone learn web development in general, you know, that's, that's like a, a mission that really like gets me going, you know? Yeah. We want to disagree with you because Astro is the right tool for all jobs. Cause we want to do more <laughs> Astro work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely starting to like feel down that path of, well, I, you know, it's so funny because like 20 years later, this is all like circling back around and it's, you know, PHP serving every site from the server. And that's what we built again. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we've kind of come back to is like we build these tools to sort of work around it. And now we're uh, regressing back to that because, oh, computers are really fast now. The Internet is way faster now. That thing that we were doing, dumping all this into the browser I'm really an advocate of like dumb client applications. So simplified applications, they're very dumb. They don't understand logic and authentication and all these like crazy things. They just understand, you know, what they're showing and being provided the data for what they're showing. I like that. And I think that things like Astro are being, you know, the HTML. Remember how that was great for the internet? What's HTML? That's what I like to see again. <laughs> hypertext markup language. That's what I'm told. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully other people besides me see how Astro and Solid in like parallel ways are tapping at this impulse of like, things got too complicated, make it simple again. Mm -hmm. And I was really exploring that through line between the two when I was deciding to like join um, the Astro company. And I was like, yeah, this is out of any framework out there, is any server framework out there, Astro embodies this philosophy of like making things accessible because like the, the DX is, is relatively easy, but also making things simple. Like you don't have to be doing this client side routing situation where the entire app lives in the browser. Like it can live on the server and send what it needs. Like that philosophy of just do what you need is both in, in Astro and Solid. Like in Solid, you're not re-rendering things unless you need to. And in Astro, you're not sending JavaScript unless you need to. Yeah, and it's funny how browsers actually know how to route to different pages if you just split it into different pages. <laughs> it is crazy how that all works. Yeah. It's like the basis of the internet or something, right? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, I love how y'all are coming on it from that perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, let's just, uh, I'm always, uh, well, first of all, I'm always willing to be wrong, unless it comes to whiskey. And <laughs> I, I do believe in like, keep it simple. I also spent a lot of time like working on semantic HTML, like back in the day when everything was meshed together. And it was like, no, you need like, for accessibility purposes, you say like, from a DX purpose, like approachability, but there's also an accessibility side to things too. And so HTML has, uh, you know, attributes and, and patterns built in to make things more accessible. But when we take HTML away, then we create a greater challenge and barrier to that too. Yeah. Frameworks like React and Solid, they generate HTML at the end of the day, but there are tricky things along the way that makes things a little bit harder for accessibility. I mean, one example is that not every screen reader is trained to understand client-side routing because the idea of client-side routing is the page doesn't change, just the things inside the page 
get swapped in and out. And screen readers often don't understand that as, oh, we went from home to about. Yeah, I mean, there's ways around that with like, um, you know, forcing, announcing what you've gone to and stuff. But I think this whole thing of like having multi-page apps is just kind of the same as like, if you have a button, use a button tag versus a div. Like the more browser native things you're using, the more accessible it will be out of the box because that's what the browser expects. So that's what the screen reader is going to expect. And if you do deviate from that, it's not going to work as well. Yeah. And I should say like the next generation of SPA single page application frameworks are also leaning into this, even though they're still sending all of that client side wrapping. So for example, Remix and Solid Start, which is like Solid's sort of new upcoming SSR situation. So what these frameworks do is they're not really multi-page applications. They're like a single page application that's rendered on the server, but they're trying to tap back into these native web things like native forms, right? Like with Remix and Solid Start, you can send form data without using any JavaScript again. It also splits out the bundle really nicely so that even if you don't have JavaScript on in the browser, routing will still work. And so I love how, whether you're on the pure multi-page side like Astro or whether you're on the like, single page application, but use the server to help us, we're all gearing towards the same direction, which is use more of the web. Yeah, for sure. And I think that is the perfect point to end our web point on and move to some whatnot. What a natural transition, Robbie. Well, (laughs) I was just trying to just wrapping us up here. I didn't have any like I could keep going forever on all this stuff, but I'm going to pour more whiskey then. Sure. Perfect. So as you do that, can you sing us a song? I could. I mean, I have my guitar. I don't think I should. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> that's fair. This was your audition. No, tell us about uh about what kind of <laughs> music you make or, or, you know, what you're into from that side of things. Yeah. The songs I write are a little bit like pop punk inspired, but also more like indie rock, like sort of like mellow, but also angsty at times. Hmm. The bands I really liked are like, you know, Paramore and Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy um, and these sort of like classic like pop punk bands and and I don't know it's kind of stupid to do a through line but you could draw a through line between my desire for accessibility in web to my desire for accessibility in songs like if my mom can't like enjoy the song because it has too much thrashy guitar or too much like crazy progressive composition that doesn't mean the song is bad it just means less people can enjoy it and I don't know it's looked down upon to like pop, but I've always liked pop. And in my vocals, like I can't really sing metal, but I can sing pop and I can do runs and I can do like mm. this sort of fancy stuff. I can sing really high and like, so yeah, that's a really long winded intellectual <laughs> way to describe me just enjoying like singing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's coming into your own where you're like not worried about being jeered on your musical tastes, right? It's like, that's fine. I like Justin Timberlake. It's okay. I'm not above that, (laughs) right? But then I also like a lot of other genres of things, whatever else. So as a Panic at the Disco fan, does that mean you like Taylor Swift? Actually, Taylor Swift. Why are these related? So Panic at the Disco did one song with Taylor Swift and it was actually at a really important time in her career. Basically, she moved from being, I forget, was 
what she was signed to, but it was from, it was like a, a record deal that did not, you know, she started that deal early on in her career and it ended up backfiring. She didn't like own the masters or whatever. And so she didn't own her stuff. She decides to do her own thing, sign a different deal. And her first single was this song with Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco. Very, very pop song, like as pop as you can go, mm-hmm. but like very fun. The songwriting wasn't particularly smart or anything. It was just good pop. So am I a fan of Taylor Swift? I am a fan of Taylor Swift. I think she's she had her pop period of like pure pop. And then she went into pop folk, which is really cool. So these last two Taylor Swift albums were a lot different. They were more sort of quieter in a way, more thoughtful, very sort of abstract. Like she used to write a lot about her own relationships and these albums she writes about like stories that aren't her own. And I absolutely love that. I think even the most like angsty music fans cannot deny that Taylor Swift is a good songwriter. Yeah. Taylor Swift is pretty angsty, to be honest. She, yeah, she's definitely had her moments, yeah. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in her own poppy way, though. That's how she addressed oh, yeah. them. I have a lot of respect for her as like a musician and, and a songwriter. I watched the uh, the documentary mm. with my wife, of course, so there was the like, impetus for it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I respect her process. I respect, you know, all of her craft and what she's doing like for herself as coming up with all that kind of on her own. So I respect that. There's like one scene from that documentary that I remember like stood out for me. It's like the scene where like she doesn't like so her she put out this like electro pop record and it didn't win a Grammy. (laughs) And she's like (laughs) she responds to the news and she's like, I need to write a better record. And like that ambition, like (laughs) because everything she writes (laughs) gets a Grammy. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it's a hard life. It's a hard knock life. And like not not every artist or creative person needs to be that ambition. Sometimes that ambition can be unhealthy. Like if you're just producing art to win a contest or to satisfy people, like that might not mean you're creating the art that means the most to you. But there is also something about that ambition of like, no, I need to do better that that I think I also take after like like I could always do better. I can always like think outside the box or, or strive to be better. And yeah, I guess this podcast turned into gushing about Taylor Swift of all people. I love it. <laughs> we never know where it's going to go. You know, there's so yeah. many different uh, pathways here. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Taylor fan. I'm excited for the new album. I watched the VMAs with my wife and uh, like she watches them every year. And so we watched that and then she announced at the end that there like a new album was coming, but I haven't heard anything since then. Hmm about what it's like. Is it coming out this year? I think I think it's this year. I'm not sure. I experience everything secondhand from a pop perspective. And so my wife will always be like, oh, it's the new Lizzo. It's the new what? You know, it's the new Taylor yeah. Swift. Okay, cool. That's how I get to because I listen to the same things I've listened to since like 2006. And uh, I'm not changing. So <laughs> yeah, I hear hear all the new stuff from my wife. Yeah, I listen to that group of things or like sometimes there'll be like recommendations in Apple Music or something. I'm like, oh, I'll try that thing. But yeah, I don't really I don't know what's coming out in regular new music, pop music. Yeah, I don't like new rap. I think they're not good. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't like 2 Chains, Migos? No, no, I don't like Ooh. it. I've tried to listen to a lot of new hip hop and I'm like, this is why Jay-Z still has to make records as a billionaire. It's dumb. <laughs> what? Like, despite being from Atlanta, I, like, never got into rap, which is, like, a kind of a sin that I don't really know a lot about hip-hop and stuff. Outcast. What? I'll get into it eventually. Mm. 
<laughs> you know, in your retirement years, you'll delve into this street music, possibly. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to doubt that. But that's fair. As a skill, it's distinct to singing. Like, if I wanted to learn how to rap, like I learned how to sing, it would take an entirely different approach. Um, and it's not easy. <laughs> like, the yes, there's aspects of rhythm in both, but like the, yeah. everything else is its own skill. Yeah, because it's almost like one of the biggest things I remember hearing is like, it's not just about straight rhyming words. It's about like making words for the story rhyme sometimes when they don't like rhyme with orange <laughs> and they put posted that challenge to Eminem and then he was like oh yeah I can do it like 40 ways you know yeah it was yeah so that's the skill I think there's a little bit of like 1960s media theorist in me where I'm like okay for every medium figure out the constraints of the medium and the affordances and and build something that fits that and that's how I think of things so like with poetry, for example, you have this idea of a line break that you don't have in rap. But in rap, you have this idea of built-in rhythm from the music that informs your, your your writing. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll I'll, I'll figure out how to rap. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah. So just to, to regress a little bit there, do you have a, a SoundCloud or somewhere people can check your stuff out? Or So I've been very shy about my, my singing and my songwriting. I have sung on Twitter spaces, but I've never actually, and that's not shy, but I've never actually like put out a song on SoundCloud. Mm. I started learning music, like both guitar and vocals during COVID. So I'm still sort of new to it, but I went like really deep into it. I got like a, a voice teacher and everything. So I don't know, expect a tweet where I'm like, all right, I finally decided to produce a song or something. <laughs> nice. I'm going to go follow you right after this. I would say that it's iterative, just like coding is like, you know, just get stuff out there and just keep building on that because it's hard to get something perfect unless you're Taylor Swift. But like, you'd be surprised some things you think aren't aren't great or like people might love it. Like everyone has different tastes. So I haven't done music in a long time because I do way too much coding, but I would love to get back into it sometime soon. Since we first got connected, like I started a full-time job again after a period of a little bit of contracting and being all over the place. And something I realized is, holy shit, like after a day of working, I'm kind of exhausted. Yeah. I just want to turn that Netflix on. Yeah. And like, I have all this other stuff, like there's- Pour yourself a whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because of Solid and stuff, like I'm doing these conferences and like, oh, after work, I need to prep for the conferences. And then it's like, well, when am I going to like- have this just quiet time to write or to practice. And I'm really looking to get back into that. I do not want to continue the way I've been doing the past few months where I've just been like all in on my career. Like music is important to me for a lot of reasons. I don't, I don't think I'll ever make money from it and I don't really want to, but the thrill of writing a song and then performing it at, at an open mic just feels amazing. And it's not something I want to give up just because I'm being like ambitious about my career. Well, yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of value in a mental disconnect that benefits your career, mm -hmm. right? Because you can just keep going down that path and you run yourself into a little bit of burnout and what whatnot. And giving yourself that mental break to put into something else refreshes you for coming back to the main thing. So there's a lot of quality in that. It's good for your brain. Like, you know, you stop for an hour to write a song and then like 
an hour into it, you go, oh, yeah, that's what that bug was. Like, let me go fix that thing. Like, <laughs> you have to disconnect because if you just keep staring at a problem, it's like, I can't get it. I can't get it. And then you go do something else. You're like, oh, yeah, that was easy. I, I know what that was. <laughs> yeah. And for me, because like, so I'm not like an engineer for Astro. I'm a combination of like product stuff where I'm trying to get user feedback and make sense of it. And a combination of like being on the docs team, like, okay, trying to connect the dots between the docs and the development team, make sure we're really documenting everything. And so there's this like through line between everything that's just like writing, like whether you're writing music or you're writing docs or you're writing plans, processes and analyses, like it's almost like my brain just wants to create new stuff. And maybe I'm being overly conceptual by connecting all the dots, but I'd like to think that like getting better at technical writing somehow improves your ability to write songs. Oh, yeah. No, I think you're totally right that all creative things are kind of related. Like a lot of people that I knew in college and, and stuff did a lot of like super heavy, like weightlifting and that was like they could focus on that and they could like also focus and crush code and like then i knew a lot of people that were singer songwriters that could like you know be creative there and be creative in code and there's it's all connected and like flexing skills in another direction i think is super helpful because if you just stay heads down on the exact same thing all the time you can't grow and look at different perspectives and and change all of that stuff i love that and yeah i know we're starting to run out of time but before we end, I need to throw out there that I recently did a bit of a poll. I asked everyone on the Astro Core team, if I didn't already know, like, what instruments do they play? Almost everyone plays an instrument. So, like, there's this huge parallel between, you know, musicians and, like, you know, engineers and, and people in this space. So, yeah. we have, like, two drummers. Nate, he might have told you on the podcast, he plays a sax. We have um, Chris plays every possible instrument and he also makes electromagnets sing sarah the docs lead is also a singer ben plays piano so we really have like this confluence of like engineers who happen to play instruments <laughs> i think that's very common actually i've read that like the pragmatic programmer back in the day talks about coming from music into programming and that the the practice being similar in terms of uh practicing your craft and execution and that kind of thing. Yeah. So we, we are at time here. Is there anything we missed? Anything you would like to plug before we end? One thing I'd like to plug, I haven't streamed for the past few weeks, but I usually do regular streams on Twitch. I like to have guests on and ask them to explain their craft, explain what, what they've been working on. So that's my name, Jutanium. It's my last name, J-U-T-A-N. IUM like titanium. If you put jutanium, twitch.tv slash jutanium, youtube.com slash jutanium, twitter.com slash jutanium, you can find my stuff. And if you're listening to this and you're like, ooh, this guy seems like fun to talk to. I want to be on his stream. Send me a DM because I will, I just, I love people. I love talking to people and I love uh, making things accessible and putting it out there. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, 
check out our website at shipshape.io. 